Hello, welcome to the Scott Gooding Project Podcast. Each episode, I'll chat openly with someone passionate about what they do and have a vision for our future. The project is designed to be thought-provoking and hopefully spark conversation about optimizing health and performance. I'm super excited about my next guest. I have the pleasure of sitting down with Lee Holmes. Now, Lee Holmes is a certified health coach. She's also the author of nine cookbooks. There's many words I can describe, use to describe Lee. She's impish, she's feminine, she's divine, but she's an all-round beautiful soul. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy this podcast. I know I did, so sit back and enjoy well, welcome to the show, the majestic Lee Holmes. Um, as always, I like to set the scene. Now, we're sitting sitting pretty, actually. We're sitting high up on a hilltop in Rose Bay in what is a sort of Californian... Bungalow. S- bungalow. Um, it's quite a view. It's all glass. It's amazing. Hey, we can see the Harbour Bridge and the harbour. So, how long have you been here, Lee? Been here for about a year now. Mm. Yeah, we moved in with my husband's father mm. um, just because he's going As through a would. bit of a health battle at the moment right. and he lives out the back in a granny flat and we wanted to be here for him. So we moved in here and it's been really great actually. It's such a great area, Rose Bay, so close to Bondi, so close to everywhere. So, But you, yeah, you're far good. enough out of it that you, you've kind of got that little bit of suburban, you're not in the, in the hectic yeah mad rush of bondi and that's what i like about it because obviously you know i'm a mom we've got kids and it's kind of really lovely to be in a community as well and there's lots of shops nearby and yeah it's great awesome where were you born actually i was born in england in canterbury you were as well weren't you yeah yeah in london where i don't even know where canterbury is so canterbury's sort of southeast do you know dover you would know dover i know i'm aware of of dover Dover. (laughs) i've put a ferry across to france yeah yeah so kind of near there and a little well it's not really that little anymore but it's a a sort of a very historical town called canterbury there's the Mm. the cricket ground there which is famous cricket ground and yeah there's a lots of sort of um there's a big cathedral there, which you might have heard about Canterbury Cathedral as well. So it's a really, um, it was a really great place to grow up, actually. So your mum and dad are English? Like, what's the heritage? So my father is actually Indian and my mother's Welsh English. So, um, yeah, he left India when he was young, probably just around 1920, stowed away on a ship. Right. And they both met in England working on a circus. Right. Mm. He, she wasn't the bearded lady. It. He wasn't the strong man. Um, they were just kind of doing it part time while they were studying, and they met. They ran off to Gretna Green, which is yeah, right. you know back yeah. in the day where you go to elope. Where you go to elope, and um, yeah. So a stowaway, like a legitimate stowaway, like crept in on the ship, wasn't supposed to crept be there. Crept in, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. And how long was that passage? Um, from India to England, I'm not sure actually. It would have been quite a while. It would have been days, don't you think? Oh, back sure. then, yeah, that's quite a story. <laughs> I know. And then he actually joined the army. He became a colonel in the British Army. He's really he was a really keen sportsman. Yeah. Um, he's still alive actually. I'm talking like he's not here anymore. <laughs> but he, uh, really good at hockey. Really good at boxing. He coached the Singapore team for the Olympics. So he did really well in the oh, army. Let's get was, your dad on the show. Like. Yeah, he's so great. <laughs> at sports so he kind of climbed the ranks quite quickly let you know within all the, of within them, the, within within the, the army, army. yeah, yeah okay. you know let all the other majors and colonels win um smart get the, man. yeah smart yeah. guy and did really well in the army and then after he left the army he actually went to amman and he became the chief 
sort of um, advisor to the Sultan of Oman, and so had a really amazing career after the British Army in Oman. Yeah, right. So, yeah, interesting. So where is he now? So he's actually retired to Germany. He lives in Germany. He's actually remarried and um, lives in Germany with his partner and and loves it there. He's quite regimented, as you would be in the army. Yeah. Well, you don't get to colonel status without fully embracing that right yeah absolutely so he i think the german sort of lifestyle really works well for him he likes the regimentation and the order yeah so that's not a cliche that's legitimate for him yeah absolutely knife fork spoon if you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) he has this bell and they ring it in the morning to come down to breakfast you know when you go and visit them they're quite yeah very they like good timekeepers and they're very quite organized right so do you get reprimanded if you take your time coming down for breakfast or yeah, something? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a good look. Or... It's not a good look, right, you know? Right, okay. <laughs> so you have to be on your best behaviour. Best behaviour, yeah. So going back to the UK, so how long were you... Did you go to school in the UK? Yeah, I did, actually. I grew up there. But I left when I was eight. Interestingly, we were like the 10 pound poms then and Mm. my mum and dad had split up by that stage and so my mum came over with my two sisters and I and we emigrated to Perth and we stayed in this it was kind of like a detention center actually we shared a room with probably about 10 other families at Noah Limba reception center before we were then you know uh, helped and and cajoled into uh, you know the society it was a big kind of shock coming from mm. england and then coming to australia so was that i love like australia, a part of a processing you know like almost quarantine yeah like, it was exactly like that yeah, and then okay. we were shipped straight off to boarding school after that so, so yeah, what, what year are we talking about here um 75 so i'm 50 now so when i was about eight 1975 mm. um yeah we came over and yeah, it was, you know, I hadn't really learned to swim. I, and I realized that when I got to Australia, it's such an active kind of culture. And one that you kind of, you know, when you come from England, I don't know if you found this, but we never really had swimming lessons or anything. So I, I kind of literally was, you know, dived straight into the culture and loved it and yeah, the weather. The, 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 and two, the two schools I went to, we had pools, but yeah. it's only ever warm enough for like one week of the year. Yeah. You know, so it was, yeah, it was, it's not a place where you you grow up in the ocean or the pool, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I went to boarding school, and then once we finished boarding school, we did. I went to Perth Modern in Perth and kind of grew up in Perth and studied cooking in Perth and yeah, right. um, food and nutrition in Perth. And, yeah, then after that, when I finished all my studies, I actually went back to England from 21 to 27. Right. So, so what my were you doing formative over there years at that, were there. At that time? I did so many different things. I was a nanny. I was a flight attendant. I was an English teacher. Right. I kind of was just finding myself, you know, and just doing so many different things to find out what I was really passionate about. Well, yeah, it kind of... Because you don't know. Like, for some people, they know really early on. Yeah. But for most of us, I'd say, like, that... To fall into something that you love, like, takes time. Like, mm, I that's, agree. That's the reason I came... To Australia because I'd, I'd finished gone to college and I've done uni and then I thought my next step was my career step mm. something that I was going to walk into and be there for the next 30 or 40 years and so to avoid that because I had no idea what I wanted to do I jumped on a plane and came to Australia so it was almost really? like a deflecting that um, that process if you like and what did you do when you got here I um 
I worked in construction because for a lot of the time I was here, I didn't have a visa. Mm. So I had a working holiday visa for a year. That expired. By that time, I'd met an Aussie girl, so I wanted to stay. And so I was sort of, sort of dipping in and out of tourist visa, mm. visas that I couldn't work on. So it was mm-hmm. very easy to work in construction, cash in hand. Do you know what I mean? I could yeah. just rock up with my sandwiches and you know, <laughs> didn't have to worry about being being collared by the immigration department. Although I thought you were going to say gluten-free. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it took me an, an odd series of events to yeah. uh, to really discover what I'm passionate about and I'm so grateful yeah long story short I injured my back and I couldn't work in construction anymore mm. so it led me down this path of career guidance and the guy sat opposite me and he said you know what are the things that interest you and I was like you know I love to run I love to swim I love to work out what are, what's my education I've done an exercise science degree and he's like well to me it's a no-brainer you, you've got to be a PT um and there was so much resistance from my end because I was so shy that the thought mm. of standing up in front of people was so confronting. But I kind of went along with it probably because there was no other option <laughs> at, at the time. And so had I not injured my back, I don't know where I, I would be now. So at the time it was very hard, difficult, you know, lots of pain, lots of discomfort for about seven years. But I'm so grateful to have that experience because I wouldn't be sitting here mm. talking to you now and doing all the things that I love to do. Yeah, I mean, sometimes circumstances throw us a curveball and mm. it just sends, sends us completely on a different trajectory in our lives. And then at the time you think, oh, I, this is uh, this seems wrong. I, I, this doesn't seem right. But then eventually, most of the time, mm. you realize, oh, wow, I'm really glad that this has happened. Mm. It could be, you know, a good thing or sometimes it's a negative thing, like a health thing, health yeah. scare, like a hurting your back. Yeah. So you obviously had, I'm assuming, um, rightly or wrongly, actually, like food was a big part of your landscape growing up. Was well, you, not you, really, no, actually. Okay. My mum didn't right, really cook wrong. that much. And um, although when we lived in England, we did have this cute little place that we, we were, you know, we had no money in England. So basically we had a little veggie patch out the back and my mum really cultivated it with us. And every, because we had no money, we had to go fruit picking, veggie picking, potato, you know, getting potatoes, gathering chestnuts, you name it. So we had a very hands-on mm. kind of seasonal food and fruit picking experience and then we grew our own stuff in the garden so that was really great i kind of really love that about growing up in england you can really see the seasons and you can oh, you know they're very you can, distinct yeah, yeah they're very distinct and you can work with kind of cultivating food you know back in the day we mm. were really doing that and then when we came to australia i went to boarding school so it didn't really you know i had like the lumpy mashed potato and the revolting gruel. <laughs> yeah gruel Orange. and gravy which was really lumpy yeah. and revolting and so i didn't really get much of a chance to cook and it was only um when i went to cooking school i was the worst student in my class i was terrible i would burn everything that was mm. you know we had um this um we sort of had a campus so that we would be learning cooking and then we would also have a restaurant on site, so we'd have to serve people as well. Oh, so we kind of did a bit of kind of everything. But then after that, I left um, to go to England, and I did those different kind of jobs. And then I never really knew what I wanted to do. I loved teaching English. That was um, mm. I, I thought that was brilliant. I really enjoyed that. But 
then I kind of came to Sydney and thought I'd love to work in entertainment. I'd love to work in music because I love right. music. I love okay. the music industry. So for seven years. So from years, a sort of behind the, not as yeah, I want to be on stage. Scenes. No, no, no. Right. I'm like you. I was a really well. Am an introvert. So that would be my worst nightmare getting up on stage. So I was. But is there a, a part of you that would re- revel in that though? Like, because there's a part of me like. You know, I love watching documentaries on, you know, rock stars and there's or mm. reading biographies on rock stars and there's a part of me, however thin it is, that wants that. Like I would love to be have have the balls, I guess, and the yeah. confidence to be on stage and like what a great feeling that would be. That you know? would be an amazing feeling. For me it was like the way that music um Growing up, you know, sort of with my mum and dad separated, music was, music and the library were the two things that were my saviours. Yeah, right. So I had this real connection with music and, and going to the library all the time. We always <laughs> meet in the library, uh, Scott and I. Um, Double Bay Library. Yeah, place to be. <laughs> but music was, music really helped me through those times. And so I wanted to work in an industry that I felt really passionate about mm. and connected to emotionally. So for me, it was, it didn't matter what role I did. So I ended up working at the ABC right. and I was head of kids music. So yeah, right. we took the wiggles from, you know, Balmain RSL to Madison Square Garden. Yeah, we right. worked behind the scenes. Um, I was the label manager at ABC. So we worked on right. their albums. They did video clips they did massive tours and it was at a time when music was really fun you know and you know back in are you talking about the wiggles not the cockroaches yeah Yeah, yeah, the wiggles yeah so i was working in the kids music department we did bananas in pajamas we did all the play school things it was really fun and i was a single parent at the time like you and i um it was great working with all the kids bands so that's kind of what i did but it was a really great job and what i loved about the working in the music industry was Um, obviously my passion for music and creating amazing music and being in the studio but also I learned so much about distribution about marketing about Mm. sales about you know the business side the business I learned yeah yeah. the creative process and the business side of it so when it came to doing my own thing for me it was just a natural thing I just applied that to my own kind of supercharged food yeah Yeah. your own model yeah but music has always been my passion and then for a while I was working in music and then I I did get sick. I did sort of develop, like I was really tired. I had chronic fatigue. I sort of developed this autoimmune issue. Mm. And from there, I couldn't do my job anymore. Mm. And I was devastated. I thought it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. That was my dream job. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't get out of bed. Mm. It's horrible. So in that regard, like two quite parallel stories. To be faced with adversity Mm. and it's the most devastating thing for you as it was for me but then you know twists and turns you pop out the other side and it's it's been a real positive thing right yeah it's been really positive so you know it's been a bit of a learning curve and an interesting experience it's it's hard to sort of jump off that you know you're on a tight rope and you're walking along and you just fall off and you're like who's going to catch me this is Mm. you know what am I going to do but but really I guess it was at a time when um I went back to my roots. I went back to my cooking and my food and nutrition. And I thought to myself, you know, I was on a lot of drugs, like Mm. 20 pills a day, all different Mm. steroids and immunosuppressants and antibiotics and anti-inflammatories. And they gave me everything. They were testing everything on me. Um, So from there, I thought to myself, you know, I feel like this is 
could be food related because I noticed when I was eating certain things that my heart, I had hives as well all over mm. me. I looked like the elephant woman basically. <laughs> it's really unattractive. But I noticed that certain foods would flare up my inflammation. And I know yeah. you work a lot with people, you know, in terms of inflammation. It's a yeah. big one of your philosophies. Yeah. So I kind of looked at the foods that I was eating and um, changed my diet a little bit. And mm. then with the help of the doctors was able to sort of wean off a lot of the medication. I'm on no medication now. Right. And I found my passion for food again. So I mm. got back into the kitchen mm. and I just went really basic and really simple. You know, simple recipes and, and really that was a time of, you know, it was scary not having a full-time job. I had a daughter as well at the time, but I kind of was so passionate about it that I also worked um, from home as well. Mm. So I got some jobs, some some PR and marketing jobs on the side and I started this tiny blog. It was literally two pages long. I think I started on Wix, which is a free website to create your blog. So I did that. And it was amazing, actually, the amount of people who contacted me. I have no idea how they found me. I think through well, Facebook I was, was just say, like, starting you... about eight years ago, yeah, right. um, nine years in ago. In those early days, like, you'd... yeah, I remember tweeting stuff. Like, <laughs> is anyone fucking listening? Is I know, anyone out exactly. There? I was that, like... that would have been the same for a blog, right? Yeah, but I was, wasn't doing it to get attention. I was just, I really wanted to just write down what was going on for me because it was really confusing back there mm. when you go online there wasn't that many gluten-free sort of foods and recipes that i felt that um i you know there wasn't much mm. information no. out there so basically i started this tiny blog two pages long i put up a couple of posts and people from all over the world had started to contact me and say that was my story yeah, that, i was put on steroids i blew me, up yeah. like the michelin man yeah same thing happened to me i yeah. tweaked my diet a bit i feel a lot better now even some of them still on medication you can still eat kind of well to help with those symptoms of the medication mm. the side effects of the medication mm. which is kind of what a lot of people do and we started to build this i feel amazing com- community of people who we both inspire each other we all inspire each other mm. and i i love that about it and so i started to become really really passionate about you know food and recipes and nutrition and cooking and that's kind of how it all started well i guess um you're a walking advert you know you've had a health condition and you've almost healed yourself through Mm. i'm definitely a lot better i wouldn't say i'm healed but i'm definitely operating at you know 90 percent and i feel i work full time but you're also a smart cookie and you're tapped in so that remaining 10 percent I'm sure you're always fine-tuning yeah. Yeah, to kind of absolutely. And learning more all the time. Like yeah. It's, yeah, it's a constant learning yeah. thing. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that my message on the whole is the same as it was four or five years ago. But because there's been new revelations, there's been new research over that period, Like, I'd be a fool to kind of have exactly the same message as mm. I did four or five years ago. So it's kind of constantly evolving. It's not yeah. radically different, but it's constantly evolving yeah um but yeah as i say you're your own walking advert like you look fantastic but you've i have just turned 50 and i feel the best i felt um ever so that that's really good and i I do attribute that to not only just nutrition but also you talk about lifestyle and mental health as well so you know so what what do you do um obviously food's really important to you like what, Mm. what do you do from a lifestyle perspective are you 
do you meditate? Do you go for nice relaxing walks? Do you have time away from technology? Like yeah, what's... I do. I actually am a yoga and meditation teacher. So um, I, I love... I you don't do. You're making me feel very inadequate. <laughs> I did, no, no. I did study that um, a few years ago and I absolutely love it. I've been working as a yoga teacher for about three years now. So I do a bit of that, but I love to walk. Walking is like my thing. thing. So I get up early in the morning and I walk down to Bondi and then I walk to Bronte and back again. It takes about an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, Yeah. So I do a big walk and I don't take my phone with me. Yeah, right. And I just observe. So you're not one of those ones catching the sunrise and hashtagging the shit out of it. No, no, no. no, no, (laughs) That's not me. But I I do like to go for a good walk. So I do a good walk and then I'll come back and do do a bit of work. I'll have some breakfast. I'll have my chai tea, which I love a good chai. Yeah. So I'll have my chai tea, have some brekkie, do a bit of work. And then, yeah, the other kind of things that I do to manage, um, you know, anxiety or stress, which everyone has, I believe, in this sort of fast-paced lifestyle, is... At nighttime, I listen to hypnosis and meditation things online, the free ones. Right, and there's okay. this guy called Hypnotom. He's great. He's English. He's got your kind of accent. Oh, poor him. He's fantastic. Hypnotom. And most nights, my husband and I just listen to that, and it's just, it kind of, it just really chills you out. It's beautiful. So we do so stuff like, guided, like that as well. Yeah, it's a guided so sort like of um, hypnosis and meditation. You can like find so hour. many of them. There's an Australian guy actually called Jason Stevenson. He's got a lot as well. Yeah, it's about 20 minutes to half an hour, but I'm always asleep by the first sort of, you know, 10 minutes of it. Is, is it's that really relaxing? Is that the end goal, though, to fall asleep, or is it kind of to put you in a. I think it's de-stressed? like. Yeah, I think it's more like it's just um, something that we do. It, it's a habit now. We just mm. do that. And we never. I never really think about how it's affecting me, but I always feel good when I do it. Yeah, right. Yeah. I try and not strategize things too much yeah, these overthink days. I try, about yeah, it. and overthink things. So yeah, I just well that, I that, try and go with the flow. It's hard, or, you know. We've but got that, kids, your discipline, we've got a busy yeah. lifestyle, but yeah, I do a few things here and there to try and, you know, bring it back. Yeah, I know I'm um, I'm pretty bad with my phone, so it's the last thing I look at, it's the first thing I look at, and mm. I know I need to, because then you're always on. Yeah. So whether you're looking at emails, texts, yeah. Instagram is part of what I do, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? You're always on, you're always responding to, yeah. to questions and... Yeah. There's this thing that I heard about recently. It's called a phone bowl. So when you come in, you put your phone in the phone bowl and then you don't touch it until the morning. Is this anything is to do with keys in the bowl? Is that the difference? Maybe. Uh, no, that's... Uh, I don't even know <laughs> what that is. Scott, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, but there's a phone bowl. So okay. some people are doing that. But with the phone thing, I've actually... And it's interesting with the sort of my daughter. She's 22. They're kind of moving away from social media, a lot of her and her friends. And they're kind of not doing so much on the phone interestingly right. I, I don't know whether it's just well, her sort of group yeah she's at uni she's studying philosophy and yeah they're kind of they're going to like political rallies and they're right. doing you know they're doing more things for I the don't environment think she's typical and, yeah i don't know uh whether she is typical or not but um but lately i kind of haven't been that you know attached to my phone and yeah. i think it's i've actually yeah. just um, taking Facebook off my phone. Mm. I've just, shut down my personal Facebook. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah I that's just... not a bad idea. I, yeah, it's not on my phone, so I don't waste hours scrolling through fucking nonsense. You mm. know? Like, it's just a real... It's great to be connected to people in... Well, arguably we're the most connected we've ever been, but disconnected at the same time. You know? Yeah. 
I, I if you, agree. If with you that. see people on a bus or a train or walking to work, we've all got a head in our phone. Mombies, and, mobile zombies. Yeah, like <laughs> earplugs in. Like it's a, it's a sad state of affairs. But I, I've said for a while that I reckon, and you've just touched on it that there'll be a swing back the other way. So mm. there'll be a pushback. It'll become very antisocial to be seen yeah. on your phone. It's very meta modernist actually yeah. to sort of come back to that place where um, we are communicating better and communicating more with each other, which mm. is a good thing, don't mm. you think? Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, I need to get better at it, that's for sure. And maybe I need to... But you seem like you're really, you know, out there and you do a lot of things and you go to events and, you know, you connect with a lot of people. Um, I see you at the library. <laughs> but... I don't know where that's the place where you connect with people. I go we kind there. We know everyone at the library, don't we? We kind of, yeah, there's a good crew of people there. Yeah, it's, um, I remember when I saw the construction for the library mm. and I thought, what's, you know, I think I spoke to a council guy. I was like, what's going here? And he's like, a library. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, who who uses a library these days? Like, there's everything, everything's online, everything's accessible. I think it's a red herring. I think it's a mm. money laundering really? exercise. Yeah, I thought it was a waste of public public fees. Yeah. See, I don't agree. Like, I'm. But then, yeah, I completely like. I think it's a beautiful space. It's full of students. It's full of yeah, entrepreneurs. Yeah, it's a really it's, good space. It's amazing. It? I mean, they used to have. I think it was like when it was in Wallara, a couple of hundred people a day, maybe max, going there. Now it's over six hundred. Yeah, right. So yeah, it's it's yeah. a really great place to hang out, and it's really encouraging to see kids there as well. Oh, it's chock a block. It's hard to yeah. get in if you get there before it opens. If you're there at like ten to nine. Everyone's waiting outside. I know. The roller doors go, <laughs> yeah, up. go up. It's like Boxing Day sales. <laughs> Everyone know. runs in. It's hilarious. It's like, yeah. what the fuck? It's great. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really good. The library's good. I kind of grew up, you know, in a library environment, so it kind of feels good. To, to me, I, ne- I obviously used the library when I was at uni, and so it has that representation. It has that bad memory, if you like, like not... Yeah. It wasn't a place exams. where I wanted to... Yeah, yeah, exams and study and not... Like, I didn't love uni. I, I hated uni, actually. Mm. Why did you not like it? Um, it's one of those, you know, I finished school and I didn't know what I wanted to do, but my teacher said, well, you've got to do A-levels. Mm. I was like, well, I don't think I'm smart enough for A-levels. But I was sort of corralled in that direction, so I ended up doing three years of A-levels. Towards the end, I didn't know what I wanted to do, and they were like, well, I'm assuming you're going to uni. I was like no uni's not for me like but anyway sort of corralled and ended up doing an exercise science degree so it was in an area that I was interested in Mm. but I didn't love the the environment I guess I always felt more stupid than every other student I didn't feel comfortable I was Mm. I hated with a passion so you'd have lectures I don't know how different it is in um Australia, but you'd have lectures and then you'd follow up either the next day or later in that week at seminar where you'd all break mm. out into, right, guys, break out into groups of three or four yeah, or and five talk about the... and dissect the discussion. And I I was petrified For of that. For an introvert, that's a really hard thing. It's horrible. And so I, I managed to navigate three years of uni avoiding any mm. any subjects that required present presenting or yeah. oral exam. Yeah. 
and so I mean there was one I wanted to be a, um, a physio at some point so there was one called sports injuries which was a hundred percent oral examination <laughs> which was terrifying and I managed to get through it okay but that was always in the back of my mind how to sort of sidestep yeah, any me too yeah I was always the same and now we're both in jobs I where know. we have to stand up and talk yeah. in front of thousands hundreds I was thousands at, of people. at an event today and somebody just shoved a camera in my face and I'm so much better than I what I what have been mm. like I've learned it's like anything right you do it enough times you, yeah but as soon as that camera goes up like mm. I get anxiety and you know you yeah. get that dry mouth and that lump in your throat like all those triggers you know but I've I learned remember, to kind of manage it um I had a really good tip from a lady I had to go give I was up in Queensland and I had to give this rugby team the winning trophy there was a tournament on and I remember I had to go up on stage and I was really <laughs> nervous and this aboriginal lady that was sitting next to me beautiful lady she was probably about 85 um big big hair, no teeth, amazing, mm. beautiful lady. She just said to me, you, you seem a bit nervous. And I said, yeah, I am a bit nervous, you know. She said, she was a Queenslander. She said, just speak from the heart, eh? And then from that moment on, every time I need to do a talk or anything, I just Remind I hear her, na- her words. And then I think if I'm just myself and I'm speaking from the heart, I think... You know, 50% of people are going to love you. 50% of people are going to hate you or not not like you. So um, just speak from the heart. Be real. And mm. yeah, that's all you can do. Mm. Yeah, I heard somebody told me that it's not... You're not going to be judged on your performance. Like you're not a singer. You're not an actor. Mm. So once you go on stage, people aren't going looking you up and down and yeah. judging you for a performance. It, but more about what you have to share like yeah exactly the words that so that's what i believe i believe that we are just a vehicle it's not vehicle, about us yeah. we are just a vehicle to impart you know yeah. what we've learned and yeah. what we've um learned from others to other people yeah. so it isn't really about us which is a really good thing yeah because, once you yeah yeah once you wrap your head around that and can detach from you physically being on stage and eyes on you and stuff like it's a really powerful tool to one of my mentors, he um, was head of the Wiggles, um, Mike Conway, great guy, really great guy. He works a lot in sports as well, psychology. Um, and he's also a hypnotist now. But he um, said to me, you just need an anchor. Get a photo of your, your child or your dog or whatever it is and put it there in front of you and that will anchor you as you're talking. So sometimes I do that too. Mm. It's a good little tip. I normally duck to the bathroom, <laughs> have a few deep breaths, and jump yeah, on the spot good. for a bit. Yeah. And then I'm like, and I, I, I developed this technique about I don't know, a year or two ago that as you're walking from behind stage or wherever your path is to the stage or mm. cooking demonstration, whatever it is, if you just wear a big smile, all of a sudden your nerves dissipate. Yeah. So rather than sort of head down, clenching your jaw, going, fuck, I've got to go on, I've got to go on, I've got to go on, if if you walk with intention, head up, big smile, and then it normally kind of Yeah. And works. also after the first kind of like couple of minutes, totally. you start to relax a bit, which is good. For me, I need I need that first 30 seconds, 60 yeah. seconds, kind of mapped out. I know exactly yeah. what I'm going to say. Yeah, same. Beyond that, then you <laughs> kind of, flow. yeah, you kind of let it flow. Um, but I need... And I'm getting better at it, as I say, like anything. Mm. Like, the more you do it, the better you become. I'm getting better at not 
preparing as much. Yeah. But in those early days, so post post show, mm. when you know so many people have seen you on TV, and so <laughs> can you come and do a talk? Can you come and present this? Can you? And I had no experience in that, and I was petrified. Mm. Those early days, I would prep to the nth degree what I was about to say and I might be talking for 45 minutes I'd almost have a script war and peace oh fucking hell (laughs) so which works on so many levels but if you if at any point you fall off or forget Mm. where you are in that script could be five minutes in it could be 40 minutes in Mm. I never had the the skills to kind of get me back on track I'll just freeze yeah so that's happened to me a few times that you kind of just freeze and i've spoken to psychologists that it's um it's a fight or flight so there's fight flight or freeze Mm. all right so my i i i get stressed so as a response to stress you either fight flight or freeze Mm. and freeze is kind of tied in with flight but from a mental perspective so I can't physically f- flight, mm. so I can't run off stage, so I look <laughs> like a jerk. But my brain freezes. My mm. brain goes into flight. Yeah. So what that looks like is you you cannot recall what you're talking about or where you were going. Like you're just very alone, isolated on a stage with mm. no... You actually can't remember yeah. what you were just talking about. So I'll, and that is scary. Oh, it's <laughs> petrifying. So I'd have to go, I'm so sorry, guys. Can somebody tell me what I was talking about? <laughs> it's horrible. Have you ever had that? Well, I remember at my first book launch um, back in the day. I don't know if you were there then, but I met you a little bit after that. But um, I had a piece of paper and I remember standing up with this piece of paper. My hands were shaking. Yeah. I was like shaking so much. And I had about three paragraphs on it of thank yous and that kind yeah. of thing. And I got to like paragraph two and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. So I skipped like all of these people <laughs> to the end and just went, thank uh, you. Thanks for going. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. And I felt terrible that I didn't thank everybody, but I was yeah. just overcome with nervousness. So you, you've probably gone on a similar journey is that you're um, introverted and shy, mm. but because of the job that you do, you've kind of had to learn so many tools yeah. and tricks and and now i love it and i see it as connecting with others and i i try and make things that i do really interactive so i ask people questions and i get their um sort of feedback and now i really love that because it's a chance to connect with people and that's what my favorite thing is yeah i, I just did but did uh, i just did something with flow athletic yeah me too yeah i think you were the night after me yeah um I've done something with them every year. They do this 30 days clean. Yeah. And all the other setups are I'm doing a cooking demonstration. So it's kind of like you, you're standing up in front of people and you're sort of conveying your message yeah. and you're demonstrating a dish or two. And so you create this sort of me and them. Yeah. There's this barrier. Yeah. But this year we decided to do a very different approach. So literally me and Kate sitting down almost sort of parkinson-esque she was interviewed uh, yeah asking me questions yeah sitting down on the chair as as was everyone else so you create this sort of that barrier sort of dissipates yeah and so sure i'm conveying my ethos and message but you know there's 50 people in the room Mm. 60 people in the room they're all on their health journey they've all learned something about health and fitness and well-being yeah let's have this open discussion we can all learn from each other like 
that yeah and I, i'm very comfortable in that me too i'm less comfortable that. although last time i did a talk at flow which i absolutely loved Can so I many have people some of that came yeah, yeah it was brilliant um but they had i had a was this last year no just last oh, week okay. a couple of weeks ago no last week yeah yeah you would have been it thursday was last week, thursday and um, they have this. I had a PowerPoint presentation. I was talking about the gut and my book, Heal Your Gut and Program. And um, they only had a really short wire that went from my computer to the to you know to set up on the right. big um, screen. And it was really high up. They had it on two like big Marshall stacks right up in the air. So I couldn't reach my computer to go to the next slide because right. I'm only five foot three and a half. She's you know, tiny. So it's pretty. Yeah, I'm pretty small. <laughs> so they got these steps and right. they put you know the steps that they steppers that they use in the gym. Right. So every time I had I to change a, a, yeah. a slide, I had to do a step move, and then I did. So we turned it into a bit of a step class slash heel your presentation. Bit of a grapevine. <laughs> so it was pretty funny, but it was so fun. I love it there. It's such a great studio, and I love yeah, Kate. the be- beautiful people. Um, but you would have been jet lagged, right? I was a bit jet lagged because I just come back from America, celebrating my fiftieth. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I was a little bit jet lagged, but oh, it so was you were there super fun. As a, I wondered if it was work or play. It was holiday. Yeah, yeah right. it was really fun, actually. Yeah, right. I got to meet Justin Bieber, which oh, was no, exciting. Let's, let's I had, go I had there. Never mind his, the Wiggles. Yeah, Jesus. No. <laughs> I had gone to his there concert. There was someone else. There was oh, Cuba, Cuba Gooding, Gooding Jr. Yeah, yeah, a few others. Miley and Liam and yeah, a few Liam other ones. Liam who? Gallagher. Um, no, Liam Hemsworth. Right. Yeah, and his brother as well, who's actually super nice too. Yeah, I think so I met nice. a few people, but I think you just no, it was on, just randomly on, meeting them. Justin Bieber, you want to go? No, no, I'd rather hear about... Cuba was lovely. But how does this happen? Like, how are you at some fancy restaurant party? No, actually, it was just. Have they come to see you? I was in Malibu and I was at karaoke, and Cuba just walked in. Yeah, yeah, just at karaoke. And so he is—he's a really good rapper and singer, actually. And he's so fun. And it was just a small karaoke group, so. He was just talking to everybody, and we just hung out with him that night, and he was really fun, really yeah, right. fun, really nice guy, really great guy. And then with Justin Bieber, it was interesting. I had actually offer. gone to his concert in Sydney, and my, my daughter and I were just sitting at um, a hotel that we like, and we just were having dinner. Just the Chateau Marmont, it's called. It was near. It was down the road from where we were staying. It's not so just, we just any kind old of place, though. But down it's, there, it was lovely. Yeah. It was really nice. You're gonna, they do the best truffle parmesan fries. So right, okay. it was my fiftieth. Well, I haven't had a holiday for a long time, yeah. and I thought my daughter and I were going to go and really kind of take two or three weeks off and just have a really fun time together and yeah. spend time together. So um, we were there, and this guy. Comes up to Tamsin and said, "Hey, how you doing?" Oh, and it was Justin Bieber. <laughs> right, he's cracking <laughs> yeah, on to your daughter it or not? Um, it was him. And then she was, she's very cool, and she didn't kind of recognize him at first. She's like, oh, "I'm good, thanks, yeah, him. I'm good." And then he kind of walked off, and then she went, "Oh my god!" So that hang, was on, Justin hang on, Bieber. hang on, hang on, hang on. So you're sitting down to dinner on a couch. Yeah, it was. It's actually a really cool environment. So it looks like a living room here. Yeah. There's lamps, you can play records. It's it's very yeah, kind I've, of funky I've, and cool. I've had a night there. Yeah, it's fun, That's isn't cool. it? Yeah. You know that area where you can yeah, kind yeah, of chill yeah. out there. So um, he's actually come up to you. Yeah, he came up to, well, he yeah, came up to my daughter, not me. Um, <laughs> and just said, "Hey, what's Maybe up?" Maybe he was getting to you through your daughter. <laughs> uh, it was really funny actually. And then we realized, well, she realized who it was, and I was like, oh, I have to go and say hi and tell him I went to the concert. So I went over, and he was actually sitting next to a table that we were sitting next to outside before we'd just eaten something. 
And so I went up and he was so lovely. For 20 minutes, we had a really fantastic conversation. He's actually a heart person. He's very, very genuine. And I mm. really liked him. So I was telling him how my husband had bought me a ticket to the concert and how much I love his music. And then I talked about how I do the Bondi to Bronte walk and how I always have him in my headphones. And we, we had a full conversation all about that. And he said to me, you know, he really, really appreciated me saying that. And it meant a lot to him that I would... I, I, in America, I guess... People don't really go up to you if you're a celebrity so much. It's not like here. You know when they come over here and Justin Bieber had that full people, you mm. know, following him everywhere. It's kind of different there. But he was genuinely lovely. And he said, God bless me at the end of our of conversation. And yeah, we talked about lots of other things. Talked about music, the music industry. And yeah, he was lovely. Well, I guess he's probably inundated 24-7 with fans right so people i think they kind of leave him alone in america oh, really? unless maybe the young ones don't but yeah, yeah. Well, i think because i don't follow him but i've the the rare things that i've seen of him he's mm. kind of gets the shits that you know everyone wants a selfie with him yeah and, and there's no there's no that. connection i totally do you know what i mean it's like oh, well. justin can you have a photo it's yeah like, ask me how my day is yeah so i right? just actually was just chatting so yeah with in him, that so i think yeah it, he probably probably respected you for that yeah you know? he yeah he's very genuine and i felt but that he, he's been through no i didn't get a photo. <laughs> i feel like he's been through kind of a lot and he was kind of very um open to being emotional and talking yeah, and yeah. We were chatting about lots of different well, he probably things just wants so. to talk to someone that's not kissing his ass yeah or just someone normal normal conversation everyday mum <laughs> i think about that with the queen right she's yeah lived this very long life i love surrounded queen, by, by people yeah same that would just, you know, you, you would. Do you know what I mean? Like every exchange that she would have with a member of the public or mm. a politician or councillor or whatever would be this false kind of yeah bullshit. Yeah. So she probably only speaks to have a normal conversation with family yeah. members and probably a few. And in I reckon her, so. she's a little bit cheeky. She's oh, got a little sure. glint in her eye, don't you think? She's sure. just so adorable. Got, yeah. I love her. I watched when, when it was her um, anniversary. You know how they had that whole day of celebrations and she was on the barge and she was just, yeah, I watched all of that. I'm, I'm a bit of a royalist, Scott. Yeah, I don't mind the royals. But we, but we do that pomp and ceremony very well. Yeah. I get oddly nostalgic when I see all that. Me too. You know? And I love Kate and I love the kids and I love all of it. Yeah. Well, you've met Justin. Have you met all those guys too? No, I haven't met them. No. Well, they're never. next on the podcast. But that was a random meeting. It was not like I was seeking him out. But it was funny that I'd been to his concert. And he is a, one of my favorite artists because I think he is actually very talented. Talented kid. So I feel like I've missed the, not missed the boat, but I haven't, I don't know a Bieber track. Mm. Have you played it for me? Despacito. <laughs> don't recognize don't that one either. <laughs> but he's good, right? Like he's yeah. I think he's there's talented. substance to him. Yeah. Can when I was him. at ABC, a big part of my job was signing artists. So right, we'd have to go to a lot of gigs, and we'd have to, you know, we'd get a lot of demos. Our desks would be piled up with demos, and you know, in the first few seconds, whether mm. you're going to sign them or not. And yeah, he just had he has that Midas yeah. touch. Yeah, yeah, he does, and he's very, very, yeah. So circling back around to the Wiggles, like how quick was their ascendancy? So you said that they went from interesting Rudy Hilar like to us, Madison, and yeah, a lot of a lot of artists and people, it, they actually work really hard, mm. and it takes a really long time. 
you know people yeah, right. think a lot of fa- like yeah, famous overnight people sensation. overnight but yeah they've worked really hard they were doing all the rsl circuits they were doing you know a lot well, of even now work. like I, i've had the pleasure of meeting most of them mm. and when they share like the schedule you know say how was your how was your week or whatever and i was hit dubbo and then Wagga, yeah, good and on then, them. you know yeah there's there's very little days off and yeah lots of travel like, yeah. it's kind of relentless right yeah yeah there was yeah mm. a lot of a lot of things a lot of components a lot of wheels to sort of turn mm. yeah but yeah, juggernaut. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. So we've talked a little bit about your background, health, food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want to talk about something that is obviously very important to you. And the only reason I follow you, I love your food, but I love your fashion. Oh, do you? Yeah. Normally. In it is a little quirky. <laughs> crazy <laughs> long socks. And, yeah. I do dress a little alternative sometimes. I Wait, don't know. that come just, from? Um, I'm not sure where it comes from. It's, I guess, because we, when we were young, we were really poor. So I was either in hand-me-downs or op shop bargains. And so I had to learn how to be creative and mix and match certain things. And yeah, I right. still shop at op shops now. I don't yeah. like to, you know, generally buy anything expensive and yeah. new. Um, yeah, so I just kind of pull together a sort of style with the long socks and the brogues and the cute vintage dresses and, you yeah, know, no, no cable No one else is doing and, that in this country. Yeah, I you always think. comment when you see, when you see yeah, because me. Because <laughs> not that I've got an eye for fashion, but I've got an eye for I don't know, maybe quirkiness or <laughs> like you have a sparkle about you, and that's mm. thank you. Not just in how you talk and the things that you do, but also the way you present yourself. Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. represented in whatever it is—long socks or. <laughs> bunches in your hair yeah or... i do oh yeah the bunches yeah. i do the bunches i do the plaits and i do i don't know it's just fun isn't it i think that you know being 50 you don't have to conform to mm. having you know cutting your hair off and having a bob and wearing really conservative clothes or just wearing you know so is this so as you've got older you've sort of i think i've always been quirky right okay but <laughs> you, do you care less because i know i care less like um, I, i'm very i care a lot about what I do yeah and I'm very serious and professional yes but I'm very quick to make light of myself yeah that's I don't good. take myself very seriously and that that's and that's always been a part of what I do I'm a bit of a clown I think I use yeah. that as a mechanism yeah to hide behind yeah but as I've got older I, I make more of a fool of myself if that makes sense <laughs> are you the same I think I worry less about the external I've never really worried too much about the external and I worry more about the internal so I at the moment I'm going through this phase where I just want to really improve the way that I interact with others and I right. want to be a better person right. like I, I'm trying to be is there a uh, dark side uh, about you I don't know I just feel like I <laughs> want to be a kinder person a yeah, more okay. generous person a more open person being an introvert, you kind of stay within your own, don't you think? You kind oh, of, totally. it, it's scary being out there. So I'm, I'm trying to develop more ways to connect with people and be more open. And I don't know, I just want to be better and, and do and give more and give back more. Mm. I've always kind of given back, but I yeah, I don't know. I just want to do that more. Yeah, I want to just awesome. nurture the in, inner kind of self. So is your default as a, as a introvert to kind of, Stay Hibernate. In. Hibernate. Yeah. I like to hibernate. But you said that I, I, but you only see through social media. So you think that I'm a event, event, event. Yeah. Like I. No, not at all. Really. Like, 
my my week I, I go to bed really early yeah I watch uh, documentary after documentary and that can be music normally music or wildlife yeah so you know ask me any questions about penguins we watched or... um a documentary last night about whitney houston have you seen that one i haven't it's seen on that Netflix. one I've, I've seen it on there but i haven't watched yeah, it yeah that's a good one yeah and what tell me about penguins <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's my world that's a reality like yeah it's not and you have your son as well so yeah how often do you have your son um three or four times a week so he's nine so we we went through a f- period of watching docos together and i mm. loved and cherished that but now he couldn't give a shit about penguins he's doing yeah. his own thing is um, he skateboarding or uh yeah surfing skating basketball um just had a kicking session through kate from right. 30 days with yeah. um, andrew johns on the weekend yeah. which is pretty, pretty oh, that's cool fun. amazing experience yeah um yeah but it's you know, despite the mohawk and the tattoos, I'm not very rock and roll. I'm kind of, <laughs> and I worry about that. I worry that I'll look back on my life at a certain point and go, fuck, you missed out on being more social. Because I love exchange with people, but mm. there's something that stops me going out. What and, do you think that is? Well, I, I don't really want to drink. Mm. That's one of the things. And it's such a big part of the Australian culture, it is. isn't it? You kind of feel... I don't really drink either. I actually haven't drunk for probably a couple of years now. Yeah, right. And it's not because I, I'm anti-alcohol. It's just that it's just not on my radar and I don't really like the taste of it. So I'm not mm. kind of into it. But when you go out sometimes, I notice that people can't understand why you don't drink so they're like you don't drink really and you have to kind of what's wrong with you yourself. are you pregnant um yeah exactly so um yeah that's kind of interesting the culture we are yeah. kind of a culture that sort of makes um celebrations around alcohol yeah. and meetings around alcohol yeah. so yeah, yeah for me but it's never really been on my radar like it won't it won't be a deal breaker you know whether i will or won't go out hmm I don't know. I, I don't know what the resistance is. Are you a homebody? Um, I've got more and more homey. Mm, same. You know, I just... I I love... What it is, I think, is that I I love waking up fresh. Mm. So, to me, that's avoiding alcohol and going to bed early. Like, I love <laughs> it. But then I'm not going to, in, you know, five, ten years' time, reflect on that night that I went bed early like you reflect on experiences and yeah that's why travel for me really fills me yeah, up right. and, and especially with family or with my daughter as well those kind of experiences that you have when you travel mm. we just walked um we hiked runyon canyon yeah in la as you do everyone who goes to yeah, la it's hikes prerequisite. Runyon, it's kind of like, yeah. yeah and we did that and that was fun and we did so many fun things together and mm. yeah travel lights me yeah. up i think yeah no that I, I need to do more of that I've just let work get in the way of mm. recent years. Yeah. Because you'd know this, that you work for yourself and you're your own brand. And so unless you're very diligent and proactive about booking out, mm. blocking out time. Yeah. Your calendar just Absolutely. fills up. It does. Just two or and three weeks ahead. the America trip, the 50th birthday trip, the big 5-0, um, was really 
something that I definitely didn't want to block any. Yeah, I really wanted to block it out yeah. and do it because yeah. yeah, I hadn't had a holiday for a very long time. Especially when you're doing, I do products. I've got the Love Your Gut powder yeah. and the Golden Gut blend, and they've been going really well. I'm really right. excited about them because people are, you know, writing how much they love them and right. enjoy them and helping them. So that's really great. But when you do have products, that yeah, you kind of feel like you can't take time off. Yeah, yeah. of course. And so, just touching on your your fiftieth birthday holiday. Yeah. Outside of Bieber, <laughs> Cuba Gooding Jr., um, Chateau Mamont, like what was the highlight, or is there none left? Um, the highlight. Well, on the actual day, I had um, a lunch which I cooked for ten people, nice. and I did all my favorite recipes. So I had um, my cauliflower with turmeric and garlic and lemon. And then I had lots of sort of veggie dishes and I did a salmon, a baked salmon with capers and lemon, Yum. which was really delicious. Just a whole side of salmon. Yeah, so I just threw, threw that into the oven for 20 minutes and then yeah. crisped up the top. Beautiful. So that was really good. So cooking, I love cooking for people. Yeah. So that was really fun. We should um, cook up. Yeah, we should definitely cook mm. up. And then obviously spending the time with my daughter was really great as well. So having that quality time with Did her. your man go? No, he didn't yeah, go. Right. He had, girls yeah, it was a girls girls trip. Yeah. So yeah. Awesome. So what's um what's next for Lee Holmes? I know uh, I was privy to a uh, reveal of your new book so that's coming up soon yeah so um book coming out in january all again about gut health but more into um a gut health program that you can do twice a week sort of right. like intermittent fasting yeah. but for gut health yeah um, right which has got some really fantastic recipes in it and then the following year there's a book coming out called supercharge your life which is based around what we sort of touched on and that's metamodernism and how to create your own food, food culture which i'm really interested in so you've and got more to, books than yeah. the mr men series i you? have nine books now <laughs> yeah which is really i do love the writing aspect and also all the recipes come out of my kitchen so yeah you know, I'm really proud that I write my own books yeah. and I cook, you know, I do cook cook my food and and create these recipes. Yeah, and practice what you yeah, preach. It's and really, yeah, it's yeah, it sort of feeds back real. into that. Yeah. Yeah. Feeds back into that you are your own walking advert. Like you stand by what you say, you you walk the walk, you talk the talk. <laughs> um, Thanks, Scott. You're, you're most, more than welcome. Um, talking of talking the talk, I think... Uh, We've talked for long enough. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else to add? Uh, no, I think. Um, thank done? you for having me. Oh, you're more than of welcome. course, and um, I'm really looking forward to working more with you. And I, yeah, it's really exciting about all the new things that you're doing with yeah, your you. new website as well. Yeah. I think there's and lots your of, book that's coming yeah. out soon. Thank you. Yeah, I think there's lots of parallels, you know, with and you sort of touched on this earlier that there's a few of us in this field or arena. In Australia and we're all very supportive of one another mm. like obviously you know with you know I'm competing for shelf space against you and all these <laughs> other players but it's it doesn't feel like that, that no, way we've just not at all we just as you said like vehicles to to send a, a positive message you know that's yeah. what it's all about and help others exactly absolutely all right thanks Lee thank you